All right. Welcome to the latest episode of the Dan Time Podcast. I'm your host, Dan McArdle. I'm so glad you're here. And happy almost Halloween. Don't you love having these holidays that we run through in full effect on the weekend before, or even the whole week before, and then we have it again on the actual day? And then on Wednesday, we act like it never happened and we're marching on to Thanksgiving. Hey, you'll have all those yellow starbursts and the orange starbursts and all those little strawberry bonbons in a bucket on top of your fridge till New Year's. (laughs) Okay, last week we heard from a man of many talents, Sean Henniger. If you've missed a few weeks, go back and throw a dart, catch up on any of these episodes, DJ Sims, uh, singer-songwriter Dan Harrison, Dan Kabelka, one of my favorite episodes. Dan was a is a champion of special needs ball players in Chatham, Ontario, Canada. Vic Penn, Chris Furmeister. See, it's it's not all Dan's all the time. And today I'm ecstatic to bring to you Long Beach, California comedian Daniel Eichus. Daniel was born and raised in Fresno, California. He graduated from Cal State Long Beach. And he became the youngest finalist ever of the funniest comic in L.A. comedy contest at the John Lovitz Comedy Club in 2010. Check out his website at danieleachus.com. That's E-A-C-H-U-S. His latest stand-up album, Where's Daniel?, is available for download on all music platforms. Folks, it is a perfectly good idea to jump off this episode right now. Go download that album and then come back to Dan Time. It's it's a few finger taps away. You can find Daniel on Twitch TV, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, X. Daniel even recorded podcast episodes, Your Worst Favorite Podcast, which I highly recommend. So look that one up. He's got a book out, A Day at the Zoo, in 2062. You're going to love his take on Beer at the Movie Theater, Angry Dads at Disneyland, and Nobody Needs French Fries, you've got to check out on YouTube. Don't be skinny, Daniel Eaches. Some of the comments, wow, what a set. This guy is on his way to greater success. The whole set had me rolling. Gotta keep a lookout for more of this guy. Another commenter, his jokes are so multi-layered, I spent more time laughing at his wordplay than anything. Wow, most comedians only make me laugh three or four times during their set, but this guy had me laughing so hard through his entire set. So funny. Now I'll have to search YouTube for more of his videos. I am also thin and afraid of the wind because it can literally blow me away. (laughs) You're going to love this conversation. We talk about what it's really like to work as a comic around the clock, how the book came together, his other projects, how Daniel perseveres, and what he likes to do for fun when he's not constantly working on new material. Daniel is a huge football fan and loves the Fresno State Bulldogs and Minnesota Vikings. If you've got a Carnival Cruise vacation booked for early next year, there's a great chance that you'll see Daniel perform. He'll also be appearing this Saturday at Comedy Row in Visalia, California, and Sunday at Anime Pasadena. Then dates later this month in Cave Junction and Grants Pass, Oregon. All right, let's get to the conversation. Folks, it is Daniel Each's time. Daniel, I just want to say this kind of connects to the theme of Dan Time, the podcast of 
Dan talking to other Dans and rooting for people that had the same name. Daniel, the lankiness, the skinniness, I, I <laughs> lived in this world my whole life. And to see a guy that resembles my body, I guess are we endomorphs? <laughs> I, I just naturally root for you. And uh, so I just want to kind of throw that out there at the start. Uh, how are you doing today? Good. Still, still lanky, uh, still skinny. Uh, it's all, it's just all, it's all for the comedy. You know what I mean? I, uh, did this for the joke. No, uh, no. Yeah. I've always been like this. I always uh, like the, uh, the, the adjective gangly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you like it until it comes across on like a Tinder message or something. And you're like, well, I don't know about that. Well, uh, Daniel, you're a, a pretty busy guy. You're not one dimensional. Some people have heard about you through your comedy album or things that you've done on stage. Um, a lot of people don't know that you're also a writer and producer. So I wasn't quite sure where I wanted to start off, but for people who have just never heard of you, I guess give me a little little background on how you got started in the business and maybe flash forward to what, where you are right now. Yeah, uh, well, spoiler alert, right now I'm, I'm in my room in front of a closet, but we'll, we'll go back. And uh, I guess talk about the beginning. I, you know, it's funny if you're in L.A. or, or SoCal at all, you, you know, every person, your mailman is also a writer and producer. You know, what I mean, like everyone has that title. So I just feel weird even just like saying it because it's like, of course you are. You know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> I, I joked about dating apps earlier, but that's like sort of a running joke on there. Like anytime like somebody asks you like what do you do and you tell her like oh this is you know i'm on this and this is it's always like of course you are of course you're an actor everyone is apparently um but it is true i do a lot of acting stuff for commercials mostly i think i've been in he's like 22 nationals right now big stuff uh, google belvita breakfast bars fruit of the loom oh my god i lose the track uh virgin mobile let's see uh Amazon, there's been a lot of them. Uh, HP, that's a new one that's that's coming out like any day now. Do you ever get some offers where you just say, uh, "Let me think about that one for a second. I really hate that product." Uh, or oh, is I it... wish. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was in that position to turn stuff down. Um, never like, uh, oh, I hate that product. But there have been ones where I, I'm like, "Do we need a commercial for this?" <laughs> I guess I don't. I don't want to cut. There's a certain, um, not that anything, there was, it was a great commercial, uh, great people to work with, but I guess without naming names, there's a, there's a, a certain state that is especially known for make for having the best potatoes. And we all know that this state makes the best potatoes. And for some reason they decided they needed national advertisement for this recently. I don't know why I, I haven't seen these commercials yet, but they're uh i don't even know who number two is you know that's, what i mean like that's the state where you're in fourth grade and you're like what's the one thing that everybody knows about nebraska and i don't really remember but when you got to uh, to idaho sorry i spoiled it but <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think anybody knew what else uh, and sorry for anybody listening in, I, in idaho because there's a lot there but <laughs> well yeah it's potatoes and that boise state has a blue football field that's that's the only thing anyone ever knows about it um, but yeah, anyway, there, there's been so many random commercials. They're always, they're always fun roles. They're always, it's more, it's not, it's not about the product being weird, but usually what I'm asked to, to do a uh, good example of that was I did a commercial for dollar shave club 
and it was uh, I don't know what you call them, but I I kind of call them like ensemble commercials. It's like the commercial where there's just like a lot of different uh, lead actors in it, not one single person. And so we all kind of got cast together, and we all auditioned for many different roles. So we didn't know exactly which role we were going to be playing, or if we had even auditioned for the role that we had ended up ultimately getting. And this one was filmed at the Universal Studios backlot, and. As someone who grew up in California my whole life, I had gone to Universal Studios, the theme park, so many times. And that backlot tour, if you've ever been, that's like the biggest, best thing there. And it was something that I always like dreamed about being able to like film a movie or film something in the Universal Studios backlot. So sure enough, I get cast in this Dollar Shave Club commercial and they're like, we're filming in the Universal Studios backlot. Like, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. I get there on set. They're like, we're going to do our costume fitting there. It's going to be great. You'll find out what role you're going to play. Perfect. So I'm with all these, like, I mean, it's all dudes in there. It's all Dollar Shave Club <laughs> people. So it's like a bunch of guys in there. And they, one at a time, people are going in. And then they're coming out in their costume. And it's, you know, it's if you've seen a Dollar Shave Club commercial, they're always funny. So, you know, guys were coming out just wearing, like, oh, yeah, I'm like, you know, nothing crazy, just like, oh, I guess I'm like a sports guy and his hair is crazy and he's in like, you know, a half a jersey with his stomach exposed and we're all laughing and high-fiving each <laughs> other and having a good time. I just happen to be last. And so they're all like, oh, I wonder what you're going to be, Daniel, because I saw the people who the roles I had auditioned for, they they already came out. So I was like, I guess I didn't audition for the role I got because I don't, I don't I've seen them all in this room already. So I go into the costume, the wardrobe room, and the lady just goes, well, um, here it is. And she just hands me, it's basically a Speedo, skin-tight Speedo, the same color as my skin. And I was like, okay, so what What else? And she's like, that's it. And I'm like, that's what's so, like, but I, do I just wear my shirt? And she's like, no, 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 nothing else, just that. And I was like, what's my role? <laughs> And she's like, uh, she looks at a paper. She goes, you are uh, your man seeing how high you can pee in the shower. <laughs> I was like, OK, all right. So I guess I'm supposed to be naked. They're like, yeah, you're supposed to be naked, I guess, for the commercial. So I just go out there in a Speedo. And uh, I'm like, I guess it, I can't get any weirder than this. I go on the set. We go to film. And uh, it's a back lot. It's not a real house. So they created a bathroom in there for me to film in, like just in the movie studio. Uh, side note, we were randomly in the studio. They're filming all the new, like some reboot episodes of Will and Grace or something. But anyway, they emptied it and they created this bathroom in there for me to film in. And what I didn't think about <laughs> until the water turned on was that because it's not a real bathroom, it doesn't have hot water. It's just a hose. It's just freezing water oh, coming no. out of there. Also, there's no actual drain. I mean, it's a tub, but it's just like concrete under. So it's not, the water's not going anywhere. So they had to fill the drain with concrete. So the water's just building up to my ankles. I'm like, oh, this is, this is early onset <laughs> frostbite is what I'm feeling right now, I'm pretty sure. I'm freezing cold in a thong or in a, in a Speedo. <laughs> and, uh, and then they give me this hose that's filled with fake pee. And they're like, yeah, so this is what you're going to hold. And you're going to do this motion. They give me the action. You're like, you're just going to pee's going to come out. And there's going to be pee all over the wall. And like, that's, <laughs> we're going to do a bunch of takes doing a bunch of different things. 
I'm freezing. I'm like, this is so weird. I don't have any lines. This is kind of crazy. They stopped me after the first take and they're like, sorry, this is a long story. And they're like, uh, Daniel, sorry. We, we can, every time your, your speedo is getting pink when it gets wet. So, and we can tell you're wearing a speedo, which you're obviously not supposed to be. So we're going to have to give you something smaller. And smaller. I mean, I was like smaller. And this lady just comes out with a literal (laughs) thong and goes, you're yeah, you got to put this on. I was like, right now. They're like, yeah. And I was like, I was not mentally prepared for this day at all. It was like six in the morning, too. I'd already been up for like three hours. (sighs) Okay, so I put on this thong. We filmed this commercial. Honestly, one of the hardest acting things I've ever done in my life. I know a lot of times we kind of click through commercials. We don't really pay attention to but we're usually asked to do so many things in such a small shot and this was one that was like especially difficult because because of how freezing i was they're pumping fog to make it look steamy and that director just kept telling me hey just remember it's hot feels great it's warm it's like 40 degree water i'm sitting there it's anything but hot it's everything but hot my nipples are hard it's like not a good feeling (laughs) I'm wearing a thong and I, there was this like sort of moment of clarity that I had at one point where they, they were, they were laughing. Like, it was great. They said, cut. I was ask. yeah, they were having a great time. <laughs> they cut it uh, and they're like, hold on, we're going to take a look at some stuff. And I had this moment of clarity where there's like fake pee all over the wall. I'm up to my ankles in water. I'm wearing a thong and there's cameras all around me. And I was like, never in my life did I ever think that this would be my Universal Studios backlot experience. I, you know, I'm, I'm sure the the average person didn't realize that there could possibly be that much mystery that goes into an experience like that. Of, you know, half an hour before you had no, you, you couldn't have dreamed up this scenario. <laughs> this yes. outfit that you're in, and here A you lot are. Of times- they don't tell us what our role is going to be or, or exactly what we're doing. I mean, I've had it happen multiple times where, you know, you're being sort of chauffeured around everywhere by all these different people. And, oh, meet so-and-so. And this is the actor. And, okay, great. But hold on. We're going to take you. You're going to sign this thing. And okay. And then you get on set and they're like, okay, ready? And action. And you're like, what is, what am I doing? I don't even know what I'm doing. They'll be like, cut. Okay. Did anyone give them a script? I'm like, there's a script? Like that's happened. So many times uh, I did one for a company called Honey, uh, which is like a, a web. I guess it's like a thing that goes on your browser and you get like it finds you coupons for like online shopping. And uh, they were doing a big Christmas promotion. And I was with uh, someone else in the scene who we didn't know which of the two roles, which were very different roles with very different lines. We didn't know which one we were doing. And sort of based off context clues and what we were wearing, we're like, I'm pretty sure these are mine. So we're back there memorizing our parts and our parts only. We get onto the set, they say action, and we had had the roles wrong. And neither of us knew the other's lines. So they're like scrambling to figure out how do we, okay, get them the scripts, let's hurry. This is like right during the middle of COVID, which had all these protocols. And so we had to be quick on set. And it's... It's a lot less organized than you would think. <laughs> when you see, yeah. oh, so I was gonna say it has nothing to do with the companies. By the way, it could be the biggest, best companies in the world, and it's just every commercial shoot is always insanely unorganized. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it, it's it could be near calamity 
multiple times over just to film a uh, a Swifter commercial. I mean, <laughs> yeah, a young mother uh, sweeping the, her kitchen or showing off the new vacuum or something. I mean, that could have been just a hellacious. How many hours uh, did you sometimes spend trying to to cut a 30 minute TV ad like that? <laughs> yeah, 30 second. I or 30 honestly, second, 30. <laughs> yeah, days. That Dollar Shave Club one was. Uh, it was over. I wasn't there every day, but it was two weeks. I think I was there for five days doing that, which was fun because I got to eat lunch on the. the if you've ever been to the back lot, there's the, there's a famous the New York City street that they've done Seinfeld on. They do a million movies and commercials on this street. And we got to eat on that. But it was especially fun for me because all the tram tours were going by and people kind of figured out quickly, like, God, these must be extras. I don't know. any, you know, I don't see Chris Pratt. I don't know any of these people or whatever. But they would see me, the one guy who had to wear a robe because I was 99 percent naked underneath. (laughs) And you see a guy on a robe eating a sandwich on the back lot. You're like, I don't know who that is, but he's famous. <laughs> Why else would he be in a robe right now? <laughs> so I had so many people taking pictures of me back there. <laughs> Little did they know I was uh, in a thong. But uh, yeah, it's wild. Every experience is just completely different. And the amount of stories and the amount of, I know I did a Virgin Mobile one where I played a meat smoker. I'll let you figure out how those two things are connected. <laughs> and they, I thought for sure, I was, they're like, yeah, yeah, you're in this garage, but we're going to make it look like a, a butcher's locker layer. <laughs> I don't know what you call where a butcher works. <laughs> and uh, they use real meat, like giant, I don't know what those things weigh, 40 pounds each, like hunks of meat hanging everywhere and then they didn't use fog they used actual barbecue smoke which i'm like how is this how is any of this i don't know legal or something i feel like we're all getting high off fumes right now and do do you ever see people that uh that were there that morning or part of the week and they just never came back and said i'm done with this (laughs) no i've seen people get cut out never from anything i've never seen any like dramatic you know, Christian Bale blowups or anything, but I, I've seen people sadly get cut out, cut out where, you know, a lot of times the director, they don't always know exactly what the scene's going to be or what they want because commercial directors have a, a tough job. They're usually, I mean, to be honest, not to stereotype, but they're usually very creative people who are, are trying to make their name as, as directors who are just doing this for the money, you know, cause it's not much of a, they don't even have a, a credit. You don't know who directs any of these commercials. And I've seen some, I, I've had some directors that directed, I did a, a Top Golf commercial that was directed by, um, I'm forgetting his name, but uh, the director who uh, directed all of the uh, Eric Andre show and uh, there's a prank movie Eric Andre uh, came out with that he directed that was just in theaters. And, and he's doing a Top Golf commercial. So they usually do it because it's great money. And, um, and, you know, but a lot of them are, are very, very qualified at what they do. And now they're on this set where at the end of the day, it's the, the company has the last word, you know. So the director right. might be the, uh, you know, quote unquote, like expert on the film stuff. And it'll be like, cut, this is the best version of that scene. That's the funniest version. It's great. And they'll be like, OK, do you have any notes, company? And the company will have some absurd thing usually that's like. Oh, yeah, yeah, we want them to say this word instead, and it makes no sense, but they want it because 
it's their product and it's their money. And I've seen so many like directors fight with (laughs) the brand to try to get their ideas in and all that. And sometimes that means at the last second being like, well, I guess, I guess we don't need that actor, I guess, then coming in and saying that line. So uh, yeah, you you can go home. Uh, Fortunately, that's never happened to me. Um, would have been extra sad to be sent home wearing a thong, uh, after all that work, <laughs> but I've seen it happen and it's always sad because everyone's excited to be there. And then it's like, well, uh, okay, Steve, you can leave now. <laughs> we don't need you anymore. <laughs> You're not in the commercial. Well, Daniel, I want to real quick, just, uh, before we get too far ahead, I want to talk about your, your current album, your comic album, probably saying that all wrong, your stand up album, where's <laughs> Daniel. And I've been listening to this thing for the past couple weeks and front to back, track by track. It can almost skip around if you have to do it randomly, which I had that setting accidentally when I was listening to it. But that's funny. Like, why do you introduce himself in the middle? That was weird. (laughs) This thing is a riot, Daniel. And I want to also get ahead of something here, too. Your your approach to stand up comedy and you're in nightclubs. You're talking to adults who are having adult beverages. But your comedy is not profanity laced and and it's hilarious. And I think there are I don't I wouldn't even say most people, but I think there's some people that think that you've got to be a little bit uh, vulgar to really come over the top and be be hilarious. I disagree, but I, I wanted to comment on that approach and how you find success with that and how you enjoy writing like that. Is it more challenging? Yeah, I've always um it's funny. I've always hated the word clean, you know, when people say, yeah. Oh, you do clean comic. And I, it's like a, not a pet peeve, but I, I just, it exactly. always sounds so boring to me. You know what I mean? If someone was like, let's go see a clean comedy show. I'd be like, Oh, this is going to be the worst, you know? And I've always just done what I thought was funny. And to me, most of the time, like every, all like dirty material at all, of, it all involves around sex basically. And to me in my head, that's always just been one, subject that's it i'm not against talking about it but it's like why would you make your whole career talking about one subject it's a pretty (laughs) well-worn paths i think you know if a guy gets up there and does a a sex routine and you're thinking uh okay i heard whoever in the 70s or 80s do do this and do it pretty well yeah because it's just one thing and there's only so many stories out there and you're like all right i like i'm not it's never been like a moral high ground thing or anything like that. It's always just like, there's so much more out there to explore. And I, I feel like I always tried to stick to, you know, more universal subjects just to one, try to bring everybody in, but two, just to try to be, you know, uniquely me or, or whatever that means, um, <laughs> you know, and, and talk about everything that I wanted to talk about. You know, in the, the opening track, and I, I won't give away any details here, but just the, the title, uh, if anybody had some doubts, like you said, clean comedy is not really the best catch-all. Drunk at a movie theater is the way this this album kicks off. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're speaking my language there. What really got me rolling, though, because I am a dad, was there's this there's a, a bit there in the middle of the Return of Disneyland. Oh, and, yeah. uh, if you want to give any um, go into any detail here, have at it. I'm not going to do it, but there is there's a line in there that is just hilarious. I've I've been there in some other situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have a, uh, I live pretty close to Disneyland. My friends convinced me to get a, a Disney pass, um, which is a whole nother story. But, um, 
you know, so I've, I've been there pretty regularly, maybe once a month and uh, once every couple months, whatever. But I could not help but notice, especially when you have a pass, the the money part of it, you know, it's done. You already paid for it. It's out the window. So you can kind of just sit back and enjoy yourself now. You know, we'll, we'll sometimes we'll go to Starbucks. We won't worry about like, you know, we're at Disneyland. Let's get the most out of our money. Let's ride every ride, which is the way I, you know, always approach it as a kid with my family because it was like we're here for one day do everything you know we've been a lot to be here but now that i have a pass i could actually just you know sort of okay we can take a break and go eat lunch and hang out and you know uh you know sit uh sit over here and eat a churro or drink coffee and then go on a ride and when you do that you can't help but notice all of the just the angriest dads (laughs) who had you know who did, who I, my dad's been there, you know, I've seen it a million times. We're just, you know, it's 2 PM, it's 1 PM and they're just over it already over all of the money they spent, the, the family, everybody wants to ride different rides and it's probably not funny to them, but it's absolutely hilarious to me, uh, sitting back and watching that, uh, while eating a churro and, uh, I enjoyed it. So I had to talk about it and that's, uh, <laughs> made it, made it on the second, uh, second track of the album. Another track on here, Nobody Needs French Fries. I wanted to talk about your affinity for Taco Bell and just the the overabundance of French fries. Every other place you go, you get the sandwich and the fries, the burger and the fries, the whatever, the nuggets and the fries and the fries. And how many fries do we have to eat? Um, (laughs) It's refreshing going to Taco Bell and... There's not you just don't get tots or fries. You just get something wrapped up with the with the meat and the cheese and the lettuce and and the oozy stuff and but it's not exactly. fries. It's only entrees. You know what I mean? Yeah, they don't even they don't even really make sides. They, I mean, ironically now they have the nacho fries there too, but it, most people don't get those and I guess you can get chips if you want, but yeah, I got I yeah, shout out to Taco Bell. Who by the way, accident or not accidentally Maybe it was an accident. They sent me uh, coupons for the first time ever. I didn't even know that was needed. But then when I saw them, I was like, oh, my God, this was definitely needed. Uh, you know, just, Daniel, uh, I got to ask you. This, I've got uh, some questions on these episodes that I usually save for the end. But every once in a while, I'll, I'll pepper one in in the middle of the yeah. episode. OK, have you ever yourself or, or have you ever known somebody who has who has won one of those back of the receipt sweepstakes where you call in the survey, you tell them about your experience and you win the 500 bucks. I have never in my life that they've been printing those things on the dollar general receipts or the taco. Yeah. It's do these things actually get doled out? I, uh, I don't think anyone takes them up on it. I think you'd probably win immediately if you called. They'd be like, oh my God, you called. What is, uh, the funniest one to me is you go to Taco Bell, and I don't know if they all have this, but uh, definitely a few of the ones that I've been to. Have you ever gone to the ones where they'll uh, say, would you like to, like, round up or would you like yeah. to donate your change for education? And it's just education. I'm like, who's that? Edu- whose education is this? <laughs> and how come I've never in my life gone to a school and be like, how did you guys get such nice desks? And they're like, well, because of the cheesy, cheesy gordita crunch, baby. That paid for all this. Like who's where's this money actually going? Taco Bell schools don't exist. Where's this money going to? Right. 
Um, yeah, I feel like you could just call in right now and, and probably uh, win <laughs> automatically. <laughs> I've always just wanted to call and be like, I think you guys are doing great. I have nothing more to say. I don't want anything from this. Just keep doing what you're doing. I actually, I ran through a Taco Bell today uh, in honor of this episode. And the, the customer service, at least the one that I went to, and, and if I do go, it's superb. It's head and shoulders above the other guy, the burger guys, where they used to call them. Uh, it's just a, a, a very underwhelming experience a lot of places. But Taco Bell is, that's another thing that you know, people don't, when they take selfies and they take pictures of their food at the nice restaurant and they post it, people never take a picture of a double cheeseburger. And I mean, there's some delicious sandwiches out there, but nobody really promotes the awesome seven dollar and whatever lunch that they had yeah uh, why do we act like we don't do this <sighs> i think uh you know the reason i respect taco bell so much it's because what everyone else isn't doing taco bell has never promised us to be anything more than it is Taco Bell has never sat there and been like, we have the greatest, most authentic. Never. They've never said those words. They would never try to. You know what you're getting. You, and, and that's that, where I feel like every burger chain claims to have the best burgers. The, you know, like, ours are grilled. Ours are restaurant quality. Ours are the, it's like so many promises. And Taco Bell is like their whole catchphrase. Like, why don't you just not have a burger? Like, that's it. They didn't even say their food was good. They were like, we're not burgers. And you're like, that's right. You aren't Taco Bell. It's a respect thing, I feel like, that, you know, I know what I'm getting. I know what I'm paying. And uh, if they do mess up, you kind of give it to them because you're like, yeah, you didn't tell me you wouldn't mess up. So uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a win-win. It's a All right. So let me uh, – we could talk about that for a while, but I don't want to get too far along without mentioning the book that you released – a day at the zoo in 2062. Yeah, it's uh, it was a lot of fun to do. I the two weeks of like mandatory like quarantine happened uh, back in 2020. I was like, okay, what am I gonna do uh, right now? I was like, you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll uh, I've been meaning to like reorganize and kind of clean out one of the closets in my room and a couple of like cabinets and so I was kind of going through stuff and I found this notebook that I had written labeled back in 2010. So, so exactly 10 years before that, and it was a bunch of short stories. I forgot that I had challenged myself to a 30-day challenge to write a short story every day, and it could be whatever I want. I could spend five minutes doing it. I could spend an hour doing it. I just had to do one that day, and I liked it so much, I ended up doing two of those. So I had something like 60 short stories in this notebook, and I, they were fun. But I just sort of forgot about it. I didn't have anything to do with it. It was 2010. I, I don't know. I wasn't. I was doing comedy, but I was pretty new. So that was kind of that. And so in 2020, when I found this notebook, it was basically like reading it for the first time. It was. It had been 10 years. I'd forgotten about most of them. And so a bunch of them like genuinely caught me by surprise. Where I was like, oh, this is actually funny. And and I was starting to, you know, 10 years had gone by. So I was like, oh, I can. You know, I'm good enough now where I can, I can fix this and, and make a new punchline here. I was coming up with new ideas. And so I just, because I had the time, uh, started rewriting a bunch of them and then picking my favorites and all that. Next thing I knew, I had 50 short stories that I really liked that I thought were really funny and well-written. And I kind of just didn't know, okay, that was fun, but I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I can't really 
these don't really translate into stand-up bits, so I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with 50 short stories. And then uh, one of my best friends, he uh, is like, it's this great illustrator just for fun. And he showed me this new piece of like technology they had gotten where he can basically draw digitally now, like with this pad and the special pen. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. What are you going to do with it? He's like, I'm not sure, but I have it now. And I was like, you know what? What if we just made a book? What if you drew a drawing for every one of my short stories and we should have enough for like 120, 150 page book. Like let's make a book. And he was like, how do you make a book? And I was like, I have no idea, but it looks like we have nothing but time right now. So let's Google it. So I did, I, I did it the hard way. I started just researching like, okay, what are the dimensions? What kind of fonts do I use? You know, and then there's this whole rabbit hole of like, well, this fonts for this genre and this fonts for this. And, uh, and uh, it took a long time, but I, I was determined to make it sort of a 2020 goal of mine, uh, so much so that I, I literally pressed the confirm button minutes before midnight uh, at the end of 2020, right before 2021, and ordered the books from the publishing company to be printed. And uh, I'm like really happy with it. It's also surprisingly easy to write a book. It's just four million steps i think that's the (laughs) there's so many stupid little things where you're just like how do i get numbers on one side of the page on that one and numbers on the other side of the page on that one it's like dumb stuff like that uh that took forever to figure out but a lot of formatting yeah it's out now yeah a lot of formatting and just i don't know the whole font thing was like a big thing they're like well you don't want to use this font for this genre and you're like is anyone paying attention to this and uh, now, but yeah it's on amazon now uh day at the zoo in 2062 uh, you could probably also just search daniel eaches and, and find it that way yeah when i first visited your website i want people to realize that you can kind of find your favorite little corner with daniel eaches um whether you like the stand-up albums if you want to watch some separate youtube videos if you want to order the book, Daniel, one, one other thing that you did, you know, people do this with podcasts where, I mean, who knows, even with Dan time, I mean, is there, are there going to be new episodes in 2032? I, I don't know yet, but, um, <laughs> but the fact that you, you actually strung together a couple dozen episodes and even alluded, I think in the last, the last couple that you were saying, you know, this, this might be the end, but that's not such a bad thing. Guys, if, if you just want to start, burning away at some of these podcast episodes and and get started get a little taste of of daniel's material that's what that's the first thing that i did was um because <laughs> i'm driving around a lot i don't have time to really stop and watch things during the day so uh, i got a kick out of some of these um, oh thanks i honestly and that's they the were all... uh, your worst favorite podcast <laughs> oh yeah yeah i i um i you know i'm i'm a planner i don't know if you can tell that but i i I plan a lot of stuff out i write a lot of stuff out all my jokes are you know i meticulously go over them over and over and over before i end up doing them or putting them on an album or anything and this was like the first thing i ever gotten to do publicly that was just sporadic you know i went in with a theme idea and kind of chose you know the, the the two things for the theme um in the beginning. So for those of you not familiar, yeah, it's called your worst favorite podcast. And I will take a theme, you know, something like theme parks, 
for instance. That would be the theme of the episode. And, uh, and, and so the episode would work like this. I would talk about the worst ride at my favorite theme park. And then I would talk about my favorite ride at what I think is the worst theme park, <laughs> which was sort of a positive spin on a negative thing and a negative spin on a positive thing. And I thought that was just fun to look at it from, from different angles. And it was a, it was a lot of fun to do and a lot of fun to just sort of talk and not be so in my head about what exactly I was going to say about that thing. And I'm, yeah, I'm proud of a lot of the episodes. I think they, they turned out really fun. The, the dating stories really had me, had me going there and fast food. <laughs> I mean, if you need a starting point, fast food, please, everybody just throw a dart and play one of these and get started on some Daniel Eaches. And you'll want, I, I think that you'll want to listen to more and, and explore more and, and download the albums as well. Now, Carry the Pillows was your first stand-up release. Was that a long time coming? Were you working on that for a while, thinking about it for a while? Yeah, I had um, pretty much worked on that. I think it was somewhere between eight, eight, nine years to maybe 10. Maybe it was coming up on 10 years, which is pretty, I don't know, sort of standard if there is a standard for stand up comics. The first album, it usually takes forever to get to that point. And then after that, it's like every two or three years you're coming out with a new one. But yeah, it, it, it was basically a culmination of everything that I had come up with up until that point. Although that makes it sound much more grand than it actually is because, you know, the first five years of stuff uh, wasn't good enough to make it on the album. So it was probably more like the last two years of that well, eight year run or whatever it was. What, what was it like uh, in just the, your first few times up on a stage and talking to just a handful of people, were there some nights where you got off stage? You're like, that did not land very well. I don't, know what happened there but uh, you seem to kind of have this quality about you where the next day is like well let's, let's do that again uh, <laughs> like uh, yeah did you let that well, bother you or uh, were nights kind of fell flat or, or you felt great about uh the gig and then you felt maybe not terrible but just like oh well that's what was that like in the very beginning well i could tell you what it was like last week uh <laughs> at a bad show that no yeah you know what it's it, it that stuff always happens. You always have, you know, bad shows here and there. You hope that that happens much less frequently as time goes on, which thankfully uh, it has. I've always been, yeah, very, I don't know if driven's the right word, but as cheesy as it sounds, I've always been like a big football fan. And that's sort of the attitude there where it's like you have a bad game or, or you throw an interception uh, like I said, I know this sounds corny, but you, you do something wrong and, play, and it's like, well, too bad. You got to have a short memory. You go back out there and you do it again. You figure out what went wrong and and you fix it. So I feel like That's I was right. just naturally had that attitude. And I, I definitely subconsciously or not uh, apply that to comedy all the time. But, you know, sometimes you just I did a show last week. I won't say where it's at because I'll probably end up doing it again. I, sometimes you're just like, I don't want to blame the crowd, but. I have to blame the crowd. There's something wrong <laughs> with how you guys perceive laughter or just if you have humor, I'm not sure, but it happens uh, where you just don't have an answer. And you're like, well, you know what? I'll just let me just rewrite. Let me just come back in three years when I have all new <laughs> stuff and try this over again. But, yeah, you just got to have a short memory. You know, if. <sighs> If as long as you're writing stuff that you find that you find funny, then there's something there, you know, and maybe in the beginning you're not 
skilled enough to like be able to figure out the right wording or, or where things should go or how exactly you should say it. But there's something there. And I guess having that trust, that confidence in that goes a long way because you know, okay, well, I, I genuinely find this very funny. That means there's a, there's something I can do to fix it. And it's very rare that you genuinely find something funny and there's just nothing you can do no matter how funny you are, how skilled you are at doing it to get it to work. But it's a long game, man. Everyone just thinks we go up there and just talk about airplane food and fart on stage and call it a day. But there's so much that goes into it. It's such a long game of uh, we're basically mad scientists up there just trying to figure stuff out. Sometimes I look at it like you almost have to be the type of person that could carry a conversation at a just a dead party where people are watching a ball game. Nobody's nobody's talking. Nobody's laughing. And you're like, well, I guess I'll bring up the next subject and the next one. <laughs> um, I mean, it's out, but it's different with uh, people that come to see you, but they're just not interacting with you. I've always thought that that's got to be a huge challenge to just write the jokes, make them transition well and do it the next night <clears throat> and the next night in the next city. Yeah, I think the the biggest challenge is I, I definitely don't want to speak for every comic, but I, a lot of us, uh, myself included, tend to be like sort of introverts in, in real life. We're very quiet. I'm always quiet. I guess I'll just talk about me. I'm always quiet because I, I'm always listening and sort of like always analyzing like what's actually happening here. And, you know, is there drama over in the corner and uh, figure out what, what is what, what's actually happening here that, that most people aren't seeing. And because of that, I feel like I'm always like very quiet. And then all the challenge is now you have to get on a stage with a room full of, you know, sometimes hundreds to thousands of people and be an extrovert. <laughs> and it's like you, you just you have to be like, you know, is sort of this A personality and B personality and just right. be able to turn them off and on constantly. I think that's probably the biggest challenge of of comedy is 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 that sometimes your onstage personality isn't exactly who you are in, in real life publicly. I mean, it's always who you are in your mind. You have to bring who you are in your mind out <laughs> physically. And uh, I think that takes a while to learn sometimes. That's what they like. People always say like, oh, this person found their voice. And it's really just them going, oh, yeah, that's that person in my head is finally now coming out of my mouth. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you, do you have any uh, rituals or anything that you do before a show? Like, all right, I'm not going to eat after four o'clock today, or I need to make sure I go to bed at this time before this gig or whatever. Do you do things like that? It's a spoonful of mayonnaise uh, right before. <laughs> uh, no, not really. I'm a pacer. I'll say that much. And a lot of people think that like, oh, you, you pace because you're nervous, which might be true for most people, but I pace because I naturally have such low energy that if I didn't pace, I think I would just die. Uh, <laughs> I think my heart would stop working. I'm just, I'm like anxious to get on there. Like, ah, I just want to go up there and say that not, it's definitely not, in my mind, it's the opposite of nervous. I'm like, I know I want to get up there now and just do all this stuff that's in my head because I've been, you know, going over this all day or for the last few hours or whatever it's been. So I definitely pace before every one of my shows. I always write my set out on a piece of paper that's in my back pocket. I never look at it. I never use it. But I just like knowing that there's a plan. <laughs> because a lot right. of times the plan gets derailed. Not in something like a special or something that you're filming. But on a typical show, 
something will happen. And whether that screws up one joke or, or excuse me, uh, whether that derails you into this whole tangent of things that you weren't even planning on talking about that night, something will throw you. And so I like knowing that, like, well, at least there was a script <laughs> right. at some point. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Nothing, nothing too weird. Now, so yeah. right now you're you're doing a, a run of dates to Southern California, right? Or, or I guess for anybody listening, I've got some people out uh, on the West Coast. Where are you going to be the next couple weeks or so? Yeah, I've been. Uh, I kind of had a really busy. Well, I was going to say a really busy summer, but it's really been a busy twelve years. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was the summer. I was out of state a lot, and so I kind of wanted to scale back this fall and do a lot more socal stuff and, and west coast things so i do have a few more uh, central california uh in early november mid-november i do head to southern oregon to do some uh headline some shows in in grants pass and cape junction and the following weekend is uh, headlining stir crazy comedy club that's one of my favorite comedy clubs honestly in the whole u.s and that is in glendale arizona which is in phoenix that is november 17th and 18th and then in early first weekend of December, I headline another one of my favorite clubs, Laughs Comedy Club in Tucson, which is actually where I recorded the Where's Daniel, the album. So there's a lot of West Coast stuff right now. San Francisco, uh, let's see, San Diego. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of California for the rest of the year. And then I do, I'm actually hopping on a bunch of, uh, headlining a bunch of carnival cruises the first six months of this next year there's going to be a lot of other club dates that i'll put out on my website but uh if you happen to be on a carnival cruise there's a good chance you might see me on one of those so if you do hear this feel free to message me on uh any of the uh platforms whatever you want craigslist whatever you got and uh tell me if you're going to be on one of those cruises and i'll let you know if i'm going to be on that one and that's a great way to reach people who heard about you and they live in west virginia or Maine or or Nebraska, but they go on a cruise once a year. Or Idaho. Or Idaho. <laughs> I forget. <laughs> Daniel, just a couple other questions, and we'll have to we'll wrap up here. I could we could keep talking, but um, when you have like just some wide open days, you don't have anything booked. Do you do okay with those those types of stretches where you're like, well, I guess I'll just uh, I will just watch some TV for 37 minutes, or do you always need to be kind of doing something at this time and then at this time and what you, what is that what does that mean having nothing on a schedule what, <laughs> well i don't understand what that means um honestly yeah i you know it's funny on the days it's always the day before the day before is the most important day uh if i'm really busy the day before sucks so much <laughs> i'm just like oh my god i gotta I do this. I just go over my schedule over and over. Okay, I fly here and off on the plane there and go there and I'm driving there and I got this and I have no time to sleep because I'm going to that club and straight to that club, fly to the next place. And the day before is absolutely the worst thing ever. And then when it actually starts happening, I love it. It's great. I'm like, I'm on the plane. I'm like one of those weirdos on the plane who's excited to be there while everyone else is tired and cranky and Tell the baby next to them to shut up and the sweaty guy next to them to get off their armrest. It, I'm that guy who's like super excited to be there. I love traveling when I'm actually doing it. But beforehand, it's daunting. It's extremely daunting. And on the opposite, that. on the opposite side of things, the day before I know I finally get rest 
I, this happened to me recently once I kind of got off the road for, for the fall where I was like, oh man, I have like two weeks where I just have like local LA gigs. Like this is going to be the most amazing thing ever. I couldn't wait for it. And then when it was actually happening, I was like, this is kind of boring. <laughs> I miss flying. <laughs> so I, I think at the end of the day, I just don't know what I want until I'm actually doing it. But it, it is a struggle going you know mentally through this like okay i'm touring now okay no i'm not i'm working on a project and i i think i just like staying busy so if i'm not touring i am trying to like i'm i'm on to the next project what am i going to do next okay am i going to record a special am i going to write another book is it you know a script writing thing like commercials i just you know i've been doing a lot of commercial um stuff recently just had a call back for another one today uh that was good so I don't know. I just always try to keep moving because I think at the end of the day, I don't exactly know what I want. Uh, but that's part of life. Huh? You figure it out. That's a that's a great mindset. And in the midst of all the madness and the planes and the travel, do you ever just look at your phone, look at the clock? You're like, all right, shoot, it's 237. I got to I got to call grandma. I, I got to call somebody that's like stationary, that's a relative, that's in a house that doesn't do what you do and you're like hey, man i haven't talked to her i haven't called him in like three weeks but maybe i need to do that do you have <laughs> do you have anybody uh, in your circle where you you're like i gotta play i gotta i'm gonna be on the phone for about 45 minutes but i gotta do this yeah i make sure to call grandma in <laughs> prison uh once a week uh <laughs> no i'm just kidding uh it'd be kind of funny though um i i'm actually very good at time management stuff I, it helps to traveling a lot because so much of it is transportation. I've learned over the years to be like, okay, you're not just on a plane for three hours. You're, you have some, you're sitting down doing something for three hours. So let's right. get stuff done. And, and, you know, a lot of times if it's a local, especially in LA, you're, you're in traffic, you're driving to shows. I try to go on a walk every day just to kind of like clear my mind. And I probably call my mom, my dad's always there too in the background, uh, <laughs> in the call listening on speakerphone. Um, I try to call my parents probably four or five times a week, honestly. You know, it's usually when I'm out on a walk. And uh, I don't know. I think that's part of it. You know, now, now I'm, in my, I'm in my 30s now. Don't tell Hollywood. Uh, I think I'm 16 or 18 or whatever. Uh, you take going as long as you can. <laughs> yeah. I feel like part of being in your 30s is. I feel like when you start to get in your late 20s and you start maybe figuring out what you want to do as a career, you just, you just start getting actually busy for the first time in your life. And then you hit your 30s and I feel like you just go, oh, wait, this isn't going away. <laughs> this, doesn't, <laughs> this doesn't get easier because then you start thinking about like, well, what happens when I have a family or like I get married or I have a, you're like, that's just more things to think about. This This never goes away. So I think the 30s is all about just accepting and figuring out you just have you just better make this work you don't have another option and so i think you're sort of forced into figuring out your time management whether it's you know like okay podcasts is going to be what i do when i am in the car you know because i need to just get my mind off stuff or need to laugh or need to learn something or, or whatever you listen to podcasts for but yeah i i've always been good at just how do i fit everything into times that seem like you know the things that people hate which is usually being on planes and being transported from one thing to another. You know, I, I try to be in the moment when I can. I don't want to be that guy who's like on my phone constantly or whatever or in conversations and I'm busy texting people. But 
in you know those times that are supposed to be boring or whatever you know i uh, i try to get the most out of it productive wise i like what you said right there being in the moment because i would think as a comedian you're always trying to capture things that are happening in that moment because if you're not looking around you may have just missed a four minute seg i don't know how long it might be but you know something like that you may have just um something may have blown by you yeah you know, i mean honestly do you ever see you... stuff that happens like uh the day of a show do you ever see stuff and you're like oh my gosh i'm gonna work that in tonight or does it does it happen on the fly ever like that oh definitely i mean some of some of my favorite bits came from yeah stuff that just happened or i i try to write beforehand for most of them but it's a pretty it's a good chunk maybe 20 percent 15 percent of the stuff that i've done like i i kind of tried spontaneously or you know there are shows it just happens sometimes especially in like a bigger city when you're, you're like la if you're trying to hit like three shows in a night or four shows in a night where you know at least one of those is not going to be good there's not going to be that many people there maybe it's just comics in the back of the room and you're like i'm it's gonna be so corny if I go up there and start doing jokes to my four friends and the be- like. This is the dumbest thing ever and the biggest waste of time. And maybe it's just me again trying not to waste any time. But you know, I don't want to do that. I'm like, how do I be productive here? Let me actually tell this story that I don't really have any written jokes for yet. But who cares if it bombs? Because I'm gonna bomb anyway tonight. So <laughs> um, <laughs> that's happened to me with several bits. And in fact, a new bit that I've been doing a lot that's not on any of the albums happened in that exact way where i was at a show that it was just comics in the crowd there's only like five of us and i was like i actually have a funny story that happened to me at a comedy show that the comedians will appreciate and i did it and it just killed they were just loving it and i was like okay let me test this in front of a real crowd of like real people who aren't (laughs) comics who laugh at usually the darkest things and laugh when you're getting hurt usually um (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I tried in front of a crowd and again, it just like it did super well. And I was like, oh, man, I'm so glad I like took that risk on it because I don't know. I didn't even think to tell this story to, to people. So, yeah, I mean, it, it happens where you just sometimes you just feel like God, I need to change it. I feel too in my head. I feel like I've been too robotic on stage the last couple of nights. Let me just let me just open up with five minutes of just talking about what my day was like and then get into the set after I try not to do that all the time, but sometimes you need to just throw in a curveball, you know? Keep it fresh. Yeah. It's like Taco Bell. <laughs> well, Daniel, I love what you're out there doing. I noticed that you're Dan Eaches, uh, or there's a, there's a tag. Dan, or do you sometimes go by Dan? It's the stupidest thing ever. I've never in my life gone by Dan, but when <laughs> social media first started, I was like, well, Dan's shorter and people are going to get lazy and not want to spell out Daniel, like as if that stopped anyone. <laughs> so I was like, I got to go by Dan on social media because it's shorter. And now I'm just stuck with it. Everything's Dan Eaches. But yeah. Dan is when I was 15 because people started calling my brother, my older brother, Robert, Rob. And I thought he came up with it. And he said, you know, people <laughs> gave him that name. So I was like, well, I'm going to go by Dan. But but I, I wear it. I, I own it. I love it. But. Um, I think that's part of just going back to our, our body types and, you know, you, do you remember being 13 or 14 and just getting out of the shower and looking at yourself and saying, what, what is this? What, God, what have I mean, you I created here? I did that earlier today. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still wear that Dollar Shave Club song around, so that helps with body <laughs> image and all that. 
Um, I, there's probably, a, you know, I always try to look at the root of like things of like, yeah, it is, it is weird why like Dan and Danny, especially Danny, seems so, why does it seem so much weirder than just going by Daniel, even though there's a million like Dan's and D- Danny's in the world. It, it probably, I would assume, has something to do with the fact that like Daniel's a biblical name that's been around for, you know, hundreds, right. of, thousands of years. And all of a sudden, out of note, within the last, I don't know, but I would assume within the last hundred or two years that people were just like, you know what, I'm going to change that. I'm going to go by Dan. It's like, you're going to change this thing that's been around for thousands of years <laughs> just because you felt like it? Oh, yeah. And like, who's the savior of that? But geez, is he going by G's now? Like, too? like what, you know, he's going to start calling Moses Mo. Like, it just it feels weird to take this thing that's been around forever and been like, yeah, I'm going to modernize it. You know, there was a I lot said, of re- resistance with my family as a teenager, because I, like I said, it was about 15. My mom didn't like it. Nobody really liked it. They just accepted it over time. And then, you know, now I kind of got that old guy at the bowling alley's name and <laughs> I'm OK. Well, with you, I mean. you probably get people. I don't know. But I, like for me, I, I'm certain there's like two people. I know specifically two people that call me Dan. And I just don't question it because it's just, <laughs> I don't know, it sounds right coming out of their mouth. And they just, they've just always done, my dad will do that. He'll be like, hey, Dan, which I just, I've never even questioned it. It just, that's just how he just gets to say that and no one else does. And then I got a, a comedian buddy, uh, shout out my, my buddy, Sean Grant, <laughs> if he happens to be listening. Uh, he's, uh, he's always been like, what's up, Dan? And I've just never questioned it. I'm like, yeah, to him, I'm. I'm Dan. I do feel like if somebody called me Danny, though, I would just punch him in the face. I'd be like, no one, no one does that. You don't need to do that. <laughs> but uh, do you have that where you just like certain people like will call you, maybe call you Daniel or, or oh yeah, something and you're and you but it doesn't feel weird. You're like no, no no that's just what they call me. It's it's pretty it's endearing I would say. Uh, like the the guest of the last episode, I've I happen to I've known him so long that he he calls me Daniel. And then uh, a lot of family members do. And then some people by choice will, like you said, throw out Danny. I'll answer to anything. I don't think I've had anything too, too out there. I mean, boy, I, I used to get Danny boy, the pipes are calling. Uh, Dan, the man, you got to imagine that happens constantly. Yeah. When I was little, and I, I still, I got no problem with this one. The people you would sing the Elton John song to me, you know, Daniel, my brother, and, yeah, and yeah. go off on the, on the melody there. With your parents, did you ever ask him, you know, well, what was the concept or what was the idea behind the name? My mom always said, well, I just liked the name, honey. So I just yeah, I just liked the name. Was yours a family name? Uh, no, I don't know exactly where Daniel, I think, was just on a list of names that they liked. I don't know exactly why. The only story I know about my name is that they were they were set on my middle name being Sean, uh, which it is. And they first wanted to name me Eric. And then my dad said, Eric, Sean sounds too much like erection. So Eric. we're not, let's not name him that. And so like, well, we're not changing Sean. So let's change it to Daniel. And so that's the only, it's the only story I know about my name, but it's probably thank, a good thing. It's not uh, erection. Thank God for your old man. I mean, you t- <laughs> yeah, he's like, wait a minute. I know you like this name, but let me think about this. Let me think about bullies in high school first before you go naming the kid. All right, folks. Well, hey, everybody listening, check out a mild and skinny guy. That's got over one million views. If you if you got Paramount Plus at home, queue up Amy and Peter are getting divorced. Is that already 
that's already been released, correct? That's already, yeah, I have a yeah, super small role in that. My buddy wrote uh, a part of that and was in it, and he, he was like, oh, come by my house, I want you to like, do a quick, I thought it was just, I thought it was just my face being seen. And next thing I know, again, one of those moments where he's like, here's 10 lines. And I'm like, all right. Uh, but then all of a sudden, next thing I know, it's on Paramount Plus. And, um, and yeah, so check that out. It's a full movie. I understand that you do like to watch dramas. Everybody thinks that uh, comedians must just be, you know, round the clock, either writing jokes, laughing with their friends. Every day is just a riot. Do you have, do you have, um, a favorite actor that's you know always doing dramas and it's kind of a two-part question and later in your career would you like to accept a role in a, a full-length film yeah i i don't know if i have a favorite actor but i could tell you right now i'm genre wise when i come home i want i want true crime i want i want dark <laughs> gritty if no one's getting murdered, I'm not. Why am I even watching it? And honestly, I think it's because it's just all day. It's just all comedy, comedy, acting, comedy. And then you get home and you're just like, can I just wind down and watch someone solve a brutal murder tonight? Like, can I just can I just do that for once? And I know it sounds like a joke, and it half is, but I've been really into like true crime documentaries and like. I don't know, dark history stuff and just a lot of documentaries in general. I'm actually I've re gotten into some of the Ken Burns stuff, which shout out if oh, I know it. people tend to associate Ken Burns with, ah, that's like an older thing, blah, blah, blah. My grandparents watched that thing. <laughs> Dude, he's still making stuff. And he just came out with the American Buffalo, uh, which is a two part series, like literally a week ago, or I don't know when this is coming out, but very, very recently. He, um, he's a national treasure. Yeah, and that man, I'm only halfway. I only finished the first of the two parts of that, and it is, man, it's good. I mean, by good, it's, it's sad and depressing, and you know, all that, but like, it, yeah, it's educational. But a, at least once in every episode, he'll just throw out this thing you're, that you're like, that literally blew my mind. I like, I did not know that thing was happening or happened. And I feel like that's so rare nowadays. We have so much information coming at us at all times. And we see, you know, firsthand videos of like so many crazy things in life that it's hard to be surprised by stuff anymore. And right. so for him to like do that with facts and just pictures and videos that you didn't even know existed, that it's pretty incredible. And I really highly recommend it. I know that sounds so basic and you're like, why should I watch a stupid movie about bison? But I, I didn't realize, and I don't think most people realize like how tied into America and just what happened with native Americans and all that. The American Buffalo was like, it's all that it's man. It's super good. I, I have nothing funny to say about it. Like you should go watch that. It's very, very good. I'm all in. Um, yeah. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, yes, I don't know about a favorite actor, but genre-wise, definitely drama. The, dar the darker, the grittier, the better. And uh, I have always wanted to be, I would love, like being in a comedy movie, obviously I would take any role really. I mean, look, I was in a thong in a commercial. Um, <laughs> but my, like, as stupid as this sounds, my ultimate dream, I just want to do... I would love to be in like an epic 
movie, like a Lord of the Rings or a Star Wars, like a like just an an oh, epic yeah. like long thing. But even more than that, stupid as it sounds, I just want to do a movie where I I'm forced to learn a skill. Uh, like ride a. If they're like, hey buddy, you're gonna have to learn to ride a donkey because that's what your character does, and so we're gonna send you to the donkey riding expert for six months and you're going to have to learn that. You know what I mean? Like that, that's like a dream of mine to be like, you're like, okay, you're going to have to learn to sword fight. So Daniel, like go, you got one scene where you're skydiving off of a plane and having a sword fight. So you're going to have to become a skydiving certified master and also learn the ways of the samurai or something like that sounds amazing to me. I just want to learn a skill because of a movie. That, that that is something else. I mean, is there? I, I don't want to get off way off on on another abstract question, but are you afraid of anything that's like? I mean, people might be afraid of spiders, but like as far as trying something, just you jump out of an airplane. If if someone said, "Hey, you probably need to le- learn this for <laughs> this role that we'd like to have you play." Well, are in you, terms of jumping out of an airplane, I wouldn't. Look, I wouldn't jump off an airplane if it was still on the ground, okay? I am, like, terrified of heights. And I get so tired of people who are just like, what, bro? You wouldn't skydive? Like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Like, right? I, I'm not doing that. This is, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You're like, don't you want to live? I'm like, by taunting death? Like, that's what, that's life to you? I, I have no desire to test my fears to the extreme but i do like to know where that line is uh i'll give you an example so like yeah i'm terrified of heights but i did recently i got really into doing like indoor rock climbing and bouldering and um uh, i've been doing that for like almost a year now uh where i go regularly and even though those walls are only somewhere between like uh when you're bouldering not tethered in to anything you have no ropes they're usually between like 10 and 15 feet. It's really not that high up. Generally speaking, two to three times your body length. Um, that, that's terrifying still. <laughs> when you're afraid of heights, that's like the worst ever. I don't care about falling out of a, off of a mountain. I'm like, cause then I'm like, I would for sure die. But falling from 12 feet where you're just like, I don't know. I can, <laughs> that Now it's up to me how I fall. Do I do the rolly thing? Or like now now I'm the idiot if I die in this situation. That's way more terrifying to me because it's up to my skills. <laughs> and if I, if I die or not, or what I break or if I break anything. So I've been trying to test my like fear of heights with that and be like, let's try to get over this part. Or what can I do to like you just... Have this- You've got this natural curiosity, I would say, about just seeing if you can pull it off. I feel like you've got that approach. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just see if I, I can do it. Yeah. And and, and again, I want to come across like he's a daredevil, man. Like I wouldn't even I don't there's so many things I wouldn't do because I'm like, that's stupid. I don't need to. I, I comedy definitely teaches you about yourself more than anything I've ever done in, in the world. Comedy. Uh, I know I'm biased, but like. It is a giant self-exploration. And so I'm kind of on that journey with life the same I am with, you know, I've accepted the things that absolutely terrify me. And I've accepted the things that like, yeah, I'm never going to get over that fear. You know, that's never going to completely go away. But I could I could know where the line is. I could know what exactly I'm scared. I could know that maybe I can 
slowly get over that fear. Maybe I don't have to accept it. And some things I do have to accept. So I feel like it's all about just figuring out who you are and what terrifies you. And uh, I don't know. It's all one big, big journey with that in comedy. There's really, and this is me speaking to the listeners, talking about fear and really haven't approached this subject on another episode before. But one thing that I've learned getting a little bit older is that you can conquer not every fear, but a lot of fears, and you can get through some things, some experiences, just by getting control of your breathing. There's a lot of things mm. that 10 years ago you think, oh, I could never do that. And then sometimes you might just be almost forced into a situation. You're like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And then you practice breathing exercises, and you can pull off a lot, whether you enjoy it or not. There are quite a few things that are possible out there if you just – get that oxygen intake going the correct way (laughs) yeah i mean there's so many different tricks to certain things and and really having an open mind to of just like okay maybe this thing sounds how is breathing supposed to help you know like having that attitude does not help you (laughs) at all you know yeah you have to have an open mind and be like okay well let's actually try this thing and dive into it and and see how far i can go but at the same time too I think it's healthy to sometimes accept or, or, or most times accept where you fall in that. I mean, you should always try to do everything. I feel like absolutely as best that you can. And, and if you're not doing as well in certain things, find new ways to do it, find new perspectives. But at some point, you know, you, you can, it's okay to accept, you know, when it comes to like rock climbing and me and all that stuff, I'm, I've accepted, I'm not going to go free solo climb, you know, what, <laughs> half dome or whatever you know i'm not gonna go do but like there's some cool bouldering things in in joshua tree and in zion there's some cool hikes where like it kind of helps to know about bouldering and i'm like yeah i can do that you know i can i although that would have been terrifying to me even a year ago now i can do that and i've accepted that like that that's actually what i want out of this i don't i don't need to climb everest i just want to look at this cool rock and near zion (laughs) and that's not giving up because there is a difference between just you know being like oh it's too hard i give up and really really trying everything the best of your ability and and deciding like maybe i don't actually want what everyone else's final goal is maybe my goal is 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 more specific and and that's okay too you know that's right did you did you have anybody uh growing up who i'm sure still supports you but had just a, a much different plan, another profession that they imagined you to be in that you kind of had to kind of disappoint their expectations and like, no, nah, I, I, I'm doing this now. Uh, did that go on with anybody where you're? you're yeah, like, I, was supposed to, I was supposed <laughs> to be in a traveling circus. And uh, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, definitely. I was like a very smart kid. Well, just all throughout. I got straight A's, the valedictorian, like always a smart guy in school. And I, and I, think that helps a lot in comedy honestly but that's not so um apparent uh you know like people just think oh you do comedy because you flunked out in school this is actually the opposite (laughs) i I know comedians are some of the smartest people i know even if they weren't smart in school or whatever but anyway point is uh, because i always got good grades valedictorian i feel like when you get a's in school people just go to like the like they just go straight to high money jobs, you know, like job, job, you know, careers like uh, lawyer, doctor, you know, whatever, <laughs> it, it, something like that. Um, 
Right. And uh, I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, I want to be creative. I want to do creative stuff. And so that was definitely hard for, uh, I would say, family or parents, at least, to swallow in the beginning. It wasn't until I started getting booked doing commercials and I feel like they would see me on TV. They would go, oh, wow. OK, he's actually making money off this. Oh, oh, go. He can actually do this. Oh, there he is in a thong. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it, it helped take that out of their mind that, you know, that maybe I didn't want to be a doctor, or a, a lawyer, anything like that. No offense if you are, by the way, it's uh, solid jobs. But but yeah, with the with the creative mind and I'm sure you had to figure out all the different processes of and the, the day to day work that you had to put in to be successful. You, you had to win people over by showing them that you could you know, tackle all that stuff behind the scenes too. Yeah. And, and that helps comedy as much as that kind of sucks. It, you know, all of that kind of goes into it. I feel like if you go in thinking I'm the funniest guy in this room, you're probably not going to probably not that funny. You're probably not going to do that. Well, I mean, there's a lot of that like sort of underdog quality uh-huh. that like goes into doing comedy in general. People, you know, you know, usually you end up seeing a lot of smart people because I feel like a lot of a lot of times those people were in positions where people didn't think they were very smart. And I feel like a lot of comedians are out to prove that, like, I'm actually probably more clever than you think I am. Um, and that sort of feeds into the motivation, I think, in a lot of ways with most comics that you see. I really I really like just now where you pointed out your background and being valedictorian of your class and I'm glad we addressed that on this episode where maybe not my listeners, but a lot of people just they don't imagine comics to have some other skill set or career that they probably could have just walked right into. Uh, they just kind of think that maybe this guy used to be a bus boy or <laughs> just knows how to tell jokes. So I'm glad you touched on that, too. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work. I mean, you know, this sort of kind of running joke with commies that we all get into it thinking like sweet i don't want a desk job i don't want to and you get into it you're like this is so much more work than (laughs) anything you're just working constantly and when you're not working you're still thinking about work you're still thinking about just jokes and how do i do you wake up in the middle of the night and be like oh i could fix that thing and now i gotta do this and i gotta promote myself at the same time and i gotta edit videos and learn how to do that and be a good public speaker and you know, go on podcasts and promote myself that way. And there's just so many things that go into it. And then on top of all of that, you're literally pouring your heart out on stage, doing something that is very vulnerable. And so to put all that work into it, and then sometimes have nights where it doesn't go well, or people don't think you're funny, or they hate you, or, you know, they want to fight you or whatever it is. You're like, Oh, my God, I did all this work for that reaction and now i gotta you know get off stage and go to the next show and do it all over again and and ignore that and uh forget that i just threw an interception you know (laughs) i love that how you connected back there because i think you're equipped with the right mindset where you could get back to the hotel and look at the the calendar and say well that night's done and i'm i'm on to tomorrow i'm already thinking about tomorrow yeah you have to uh, especially acting too. I feel like I had agents very early on tell me that, that, that you go in, you do your, you do the best audition you've ever had in your life. And then you leave that room and then you stop thinking about it immediately or you're going to go crazy. And I feel like that's always been a good 
philosophy with with not just comedy but with life in general you know to try to be present and to try to like focus on this one thing do it the absolute best and then go live your life you know and if you get called to do it again in some way or you have to do it again then sweet go focus on it again get back into that mindset but just sort of toiling over certain things or you know uh it's different because i talk about like oh you're always thinking about how to make stuff better and i i think that's healthy but thinking about like you know just ah i should have done that differently and this went wrong and that went wrong and oh i'm so unlucky because i didn't choose that's just gonna like you're just gonna go mad that's not gonna help anybody or anything all right daniel eachus.com e-a-c-h-u-s on your your streaming platform whether that's apple spotify google you can find where's daniel man i wish you nothing but the best and can't wait to see your new material as it comes out Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's been fun. All right, guys. Well, um, that's it for this episode. And remember, when you're having a moment, a day, a week, and things aren't working, you're just throwing darts and nothing's sticking, get over that day. Get over that lunch hour. Get whatever. Get rid of that girlfriend. Get rid of that boyfriend that's dragging you down. Get get all those people that you're collecting out of your life that are serving no purpose if they are and take charge of your passion whatever it is i always throw something like that in there at the end daniel so uh thanks for being here and would love to have you back again sometime yeah definitely hey if you love that episode tell a friend about it i think every show probably asks you to leave a review leave a rating and i appreciate it if you do But if nothing else, just talk about Dan Time. It really helps the visibility of the program. You can find Dan Time on all the social media pages. And you can also reach me at dantimepod at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week.